G'day, Sports by Fry fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. I'm back with the great man, JLo, to sit down and discuss a shitload of sports stuff. Big, big slate of talking points. We talk a little bit about the AFL trade period. That's now in the books. Jager Amira. Jager? Jager? Amira is now a docker, and I'm pretty stoked about it, to be honest. Tom Mitchell is also a Collingwood Magpie. Uh, very keen on him from a fantasy standpoint next year. Uh, there's plenty of basketball to discuss as well. Vince Carter has a special connection to the Sports by Fry Pod on this episode, and we talk through a recent article that I put out talking about the one player from every NBA franchise who will determine and define their success next year. Call it a swing player, if you like. Some very popular, some not so popular. And then we round out the pod for a change with an epic Mount Rushmore. This time we're looking a little bit at the popular NBA storylines heading in to the 2022-23 season. So it's tough to honestly pick a winner. It may be very subjective, but we will let the sports be fans decide. So Ripper episode coming for you. Here we go. Back to regular scheduled programming on Hump Day with a great man, J-Lo. How you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Just uh, having some uh, audio difficulties, issues. But um, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Appreciate the hustle. Uh, The podcast has been plagued by audio difficulties the last few weeks. I swear to God. Apologies to the Sports Be Faithful who stuck with us. All uh, 19 to 26 of you. Uh, I've got an update. I've got some news. Guess what? What? Vince Carter has now taken out the sole title of the most popular athlete to have liked a sports be post. That's pretty, it's pretty bloody exciting, man. So right up there, we've got the likes of Reggie Miller. We've got Dominique Wilkins. Candace Parker deserves a mention as well. And there's been a few fringe other American athletes. Rob Gronkowski's brother. I think he follows sports me on Twitter. So that's something. Uh, there's been a couple of AFL characters too, but I think out of those ones I've mentioned, Vince takes the cake, right? Uh, I would go with, with Vinny boy. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, Reg, Reggie's pretty cool. I reckon. Yeah. Reggie's a cool one. One of my uh, favorite all time players as well. So holds a special spot. in mm-hmm. Uh, before we dive into the rest of the agenda, have you watched the Redeem team documentary on Netflix yet? Yeah, mate, I did. I watched it uh, when I was very hungover on <laughs> Sunday, I think, or maybe yeah. even Monday. Yeah, I was about it was maybe good. 24 hours behind you. Similar deal Monday evening. Yeah, what, did you, what were your overall thoughts? Because I left it going, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I expected. It gave a cool little insight into the the American or like the USA basketball history. Most of it I already knew, but as a non-fanatical basketball follower, you probably would have appreciated the doco a bit more, I guess. Yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't uh, the last dance. Let's put it that way, but it was, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Loved the, just like the Kobe stuff. That was really same main draw card, but um, yep, it was, it was a good watch. I don't know what else to say, really. Would have liked to hear from Darren Williams and Michael <laughs> Red, though. 
Yeah, I uh, I was watching it with Kieran Tate and Sean, a couple of characters. Some of them might listen to this. Shout out to the squad. Uh, and I was talking through the gold medal game, and I was like, oh, I remember this. This is the point where Michael Red checks in and does this, or Darren Williams, and all of them are looking at me like, who the fuck is Darren Williams? What's a Michael yeah. Red? So it was at that moment I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I am a little bit too addicted to basketball compared to some others. No, uh, don't be silly. Yeah, don't be silly. Uh, got to tip me cap to you, mate. I'm not actually. Oh no, hang on. A genuine tip of the cap. Uh, yes, the Alshon of Jeffrey boys led the sports by Fry League in total points this week. Absolutely utsed the last place Rothy Raiders. Doesn't matter that they're last place. Uh, putting 150 on the boards, 150. I managed oh, yeah. 93 points, but still managed to also eke out a win. So since we've really like talked about where we're standing, I'm pretty sure the boys are combined six and oh. Well, it's yeah, but it's no uh, four and oh, four and oh, four and oh. Sorry, you're right, four and oh. Yeah, that huge. all changes this week. Oh, mate. All right, before we go to this week, how'd uh, how'd you get it done outside of? Travis Kelsey just absolutely ripping his dick off and going bananas. Uh, how did the boys post a nice, let's call it 50-point dub? Well, can also give a bit of credit to uh, Leonard Fournette. Had a 32. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he ran one in and caught one and maybe looked something good. else. Yeah, yep. And uh, I'm trying to think who else uh, had... Uh... Yeah, it was just oh, a lot Christian of... Christian was up there, right? Oh, he was all right, 18 or something. Same with DK Metcalf. Um, Tucker, the Baltimore kicker. Oh, pretty have good. you got him? Yeah, I always take – I take him most years um, and I – like I'm usually Never the first person. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just the first person to take a kicker usually. I'll take him one round earlier and then, um, yeah, I just leave the last pick for some absolute flyer. So – I I think I took defense. Oh, no, I didn't take the first defense. I took one pretty early and then same with the kicker. Um, defense hasn't worked at all. And I got the Philly defense, who are the second best defense in the league, but that mm. did not pay off at all. And I still managed to top score. So imagine if they'd done something. Yeah. Huge scenes at uh, Alshon and Jeffrey. Saquon the chef, like I said, didn't uh, come together like I would have liked. And I think last time we sat down on Friday, nine points from Russell Wilson was to blame for that, but I've got Kirk Cousins as me backup, let's call it. So I reckon I'll give him his first start of the season as we go head to head against the Alshon or Jeffrey. Uh, Big risk could work. It could. Uh, It'll depend obviously on what Russ's status is, but I've got Justin Jefferson, who was my first pick this year. I put money on him to win offensive player of the year. I put money on him to lead the league in receiving yards. He's right near the top in both those categories and is, I think the wide receiver one. So I'm hoping a bit of Kirk to JJ connection. Nah, Cooper, can, Cup. Uh... Cooper Cup would be number one, but he'd be right up there. Ooh. Oh yeah. You're probably right. Actually, regardless, yeah, he, he's amongst he the top of the Yeah. He catches <laughs> yep. everything, but um, yeah. Taking a punt on the Texans running back, Damian Pierce. That's worked out. I think he's a top 10 running back, but a couple of boys hitting the bye. At the wrong time for me. Have you got anyone on the buy this week? 
Yep, got Brandon Cooks. Probably comes at a good time because he's been bloody useless. So mm-hmm. uh, good chance to uh, potentially lo- move Tyler Lockett into the spot. But I do have a trade request uh, in, the, in the mix. So we'll see if that comes through. But otherwise, it'll be the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett double. Tyler Lockett's nice. the seventh best wide receiver. He's gone really well with Geno yeah, Smith. Really? Under. Yeah, he's... Yeah, he's doing really well. Geno Smith surprises me. Doing eh? really well, so you know, it helps. Yeah, true that. I've got, oh, like I said last week, a glut of uh, running backs to choose from. But I've got the top ten, or sorry, the tenth ranked wide receiver and running back in my team, both on the bye this week. So Oof. might have to get a bit fancy. I uh, had Kyle Pitts who was injured, so brought in Tyler Conklin who was like sixth, seventh. Tight end in scoring. Uh, the bloke dropped literally goose eggs, scored donuts. So mm. might have to change that as well. But hey, I guess this time next week, we'll either be staring down the barrel of uh, two, three, and three teams, or Saquon the Chef will be surging towards another uh, top tier finish. We'll have to wait and see. We shall. Uh, I'm, I kind of wanted to nat- organically roll into a bit of fantasy basketball talk because we're in the process of finalizing our draft and then do NBA talk. But the AFL trade period finished literally four hours ago. So do you have any strong conviction on which way we steer? Uh, I, I think let's uh, leave the basketball to last. Yeah, I tend to agree because as it stands right now, uh, AFL trade period's done. We've still got the draft to look forward to as part of the off season. But I really think that the end of the trade period signals the end of season 2022. And we now kind of yep. roll into the 2023 off season for lack of a better term. So uh, just at face value, how you feel about the tweaks and changes that West coast made small ones, but some changes regardless. It's um, <clears throat> yeah, look, it feels, it feels weird uh, in any other sport trading pick two for pick eight and 12 or whatever we mm. got doesn't feel like enough. Um, really, I kind of agree. Yeah, I kind of agree. When plus losing Rioli, um, I know we got some futures in the mix, so that's positive. Um, I just feel fine. Um, I am excited to see what we do with those two picks. It sort of looks like, um, Elijah Hewitt and the other West Aussie midfielder guy who did really well at the combine, not Bushlinger. Nah, the other one. Anyway, um, it's looking like they'll fall right into those areas. So if West yep. Coast takes those two, I'd be really happy. And then all of a sudden, the trades look really good. But um, yeah, I, I just feel fine about them. Um, no, Actually, no strong feeling, I must admit. I wasn't happy with Jaden Hunt, but then I, we got him for nothing. And he actually sort of fits. So yep. um, it's not a bad year to have just sat sat out of the madness, I think, let you boys go a bit crazy. And the, mm. the doggies in Melbourne also seem to go pretty bloody hard in the paint as well. So um, interesting to see how those play out. Yeah, we'll talk all through some winners and losers and unpack the big trades. But I agree. I think Coasters have, they got pick 26 as their last pick, but let's call it four inside the top 25. That's mm. a really good way to potentially kickstart a climb back up the standings. Like I've been saying it for years and I know that you're an advocate for this as well, but West Coast's culture 
doesn't account for nothing. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they bounced up and they finished like 14th or 13th next year. I don't know if it will happen, but I feel like that they've got enough smart heads into positions that matter. They've got like Tim fucking Kelly, Jeremy McGovern, Tommy Barras, Oscar Allen missed. It felt like the entire season. So yeah, it was. they've got ways that they can improve. And I think adding, like you said, Jaden Hunt for nothing, losing Willie, pick two out the door. I mean, it depends a bit on who you were targeting. It was probably a Vic character. So if you can turn eight and 12 into a really highly touted West Aussie and snag another contributor, like some of those WA boys you've mentioned or another Vic bloke, whether it be a midfielder, whether it be a forward, whatever. And then you roll into next year with Port Adelaide's future second and future third also up your sleeve. Smart. I like it. I think mm. West Coast had a smart offseason is the way I would word it. Might not have been well received amongst all the Coasters fans. And, you know, I agree with you. When they traded pick two for eight and 12, I looked at it on paper and was like, hmm, and they lost Willie like, and they gave up 40. Oh, I don't love that, but yeah, I think getting two bites at the cherry inside the top 12 and securing some futures, whether they use them at the draft table or they use them in trades, I didn't completely hate it upon uh, complete review and reflection. Yep. Yep. I think I'm right there with you. The it Dockers, a bit of a nothing, though, but interesting. The Fremantle Dockers. Now, I'm actually fucking stoked that we managed to pounce on Jager O'Meara. I don't know if it was on yeah. the podcast. Oh. Or just sitting Man, like huge get. drinking soju. I can't remember where it was, but I was saying I feel like we needed another midfielder, and getting him like now you, there's not a burden on Fifey to just be the serious horse in the engine room. Like you can put him up mm. forward a bit, and I hope they really do use him in like a near fifty-fifty split. But Acres, Lob, Griffin, Logue, Lloyd, Meek, Darcy, Tucker, all out the door. It was kind of the writing was on the wall earlier in the off season. And if you were to tell me we would lose our entire draft here next year and we would get in Jackson O'Meara and some of the kangaroos concession picks, but also lose those five boys, I'd be like, it's probably a small loss on paper, but like Jackson Corbett, O'Meara, they complement what Frio's trying to build, right? Like O'Meara's similar age to you and I, but Brayshaw's young, Sarong's young, Will Brody. I don't think he's much older than 24 of the likes. So mm. you need like someone in that middle tier with a hundred ish games. Cause I don't think much similar to Hawthorne now after they ditched everyone. I don't think Frio's got a lot of blokes on their roster with tons of experience. So getting someone like O'Meara, Corbett might not fit the bill, but someone who's, you know, had a cup of coffee already at an AFL club. I don't hate that. And they've already got a really young list. So I sit here now somewhat happy with what Frio's done. They got the blokes they wanted. We got O'Meara, got rid of Lob, and were able to probably still hold a couple of solid picks. Yeah, I think it was a really good period for you guys. Um, I think if the O'Meara trade hadn't gone through, it would have been, eh? you mm. know, like as much yeah, as, as prized as Jackson was in this period, I reckon um, O'Meara really makes up for the acres loss and then some he's a better player than blake acres i think um and he's just either gonna sit out on a wing or push uh i don't know probably don't want sarong or brody out in a wing but you know just rotate them through like you know yeah yeah sort of thing um yeah 
I think that works really well for you blokes and, and maybe that it'll help. Hey, Jager might be a, uh, a fantasy prospect next year. Finally, he always, he sort of always knocked on the door, but he could be a goer now. You never know. Always been flirting around the mark. I think I was very high on Sarong from a fantasy standpoint after watching his finals. Cause you know, yep. similar with Noah Anderson, I felt like I missed him by a year. Like I had him in 2021, but didn't have him this year. And I had Sarong in my sights to start this year. Didn't pull the trigger, but naturally next year, when I'm not even thinking about him, it'll be the year he pops off. Um, I think, yeah. They've also got Frio managed to acquire, like I said, got a couple of ruse picks. They got Carlton's third rounder next year. They got a fourth tied to Hawthorne. Like they got a, they got some pieces. So I'm not, too butthurt about them sacrificing their first and second rounders. They got now pick 30 and 44 and a couple of really late ones going into this draft. And I think they'll have a similar hand next year. Maybe the North Melbourne second rounder will be a bit higher up the order, but already got the young cattle, Like those type of picks. I don't mind them throwing a dart at a bloke who's, you know, a next gen Academy guy or someone that they put a lot of time and effort into, but, the blokes that they brought in are also, with the exception of Corbett, WA-grown products. You know, Luke Jackson and Jago Ramiro probably aren't going anywhere for the next, call it five years. You see that um, someone's gone onto O'Meara's Wikipedia page and changed his uh, bio and his description. What, what two? They've said that now he got traded back to Fremantle in the 2022 off-season and then went on to be a three-time premiership player. And then it's got in brackets, 2023, 24, 25, and a Brownlow medalist in 2025. Could be, mate. Could be. He's a number one draft pick, so he might still reach some heights. I don't know. Ten, yeah, Brownlow might be a sniff. Back-to-back-to-back might also be a sniff, but I'm not unhappy with the addition. We needed one piece. I, I was kind of clinging to hope after all the rumours about Tom Mitchell leaving, that they made a late play at him. But this O'Meara news kind of eventuated within the last 24 hours, and they were able to get it done out of nowhere. For, yeah. for fuck all, really. So, yeah, not unhappy. Um, All right, let's dive through a couple of winners and losers from, like, a big overarching standpoint. Have you got any glaring... Uh, yeah, let's start with the winners. Have you got any glaring winners? Who do you think won this off-season trade period? Ooh... I reckon uh, – I think Port Adelaide did pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Got to be honest, Port Adelaide getting JHF in is – although we sort of said it seems like a bit of a knob. Uh, yeah, I do wonder young. if he'll roll there and, like, be good or if he's just going to continue to be a bit of a bit of a fuckwit. <laughs> yeah, look, looks like a lot of the North boys were happy to see the back of him. Uh, Grabbing juniors, pretty good. Uh, did they get any one more person? Uh, no, it was those two, and they obviously lost Carl Amon earlier in the piece. Right. I still think they did good getting JHF. That's pretty massive for them and their future. I think Geelong were the clear winners, um, grabbing bows and pick seven. Like, that's just a rort. I don't know who's running Gold Coast, but fucking fuck off. Oh, I'm <laughs> as puzzled are. as you, eh? That makes no sense in my eyes. Yeah. And then I reckon the doggies, they did pretty well. I thought the, the losing Lockie Hunter came out of nowhere, though. I thought, yeah, it was kind of flirted with or at least mentioned late 
in the year, but now I'm just mm. looking kind of at the ins and outs for the doggies. They got Lob in. They got Liam Jones in. They got I a think Lob first... coming in was was for, for bugger all. I think that yeah. was a really good get. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, they got pick 21, a future first and a future second from Brisbane, and then three other futures. But they lost Dunkley, Hunter, Shaki, Cordy, pick 30, and their future second and third rounders. So, like, it's a lot to give up just to bring in Lob and fucking Liam Jones. <clears throat> yeah, maybe maybe I'm a bit off on that one, I guess. But I, th- I just thought the Lob acquisition was pretty good um, at the deadline for... F- for absolutely not. They were always going to lose Dunkley. Um, mm. I think them holding out helped them get a fair bit back. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, maybe I should be flipping that to Brisbane. Maybe Brisbane fleeced the dogs there. Yeah. In my eyes, I mean, I've got a couple of different winners. I had Jason Horn Francis as a winner just after oh, yep. his trade request and how quickly that eventuated to how quickly he ended up in port. And then instantly the bloke re-signed for six fucking years. So he's not going anywhere and seems like he's going to be an integral part of that port side. Uh, Luke Jackson, also a winner. I mean, this yeah. Luke Jackson to Frio rumor started, oh, let's call it six months ago, maybe a little bit longer. And I listened mm. to his presser after he landed at the Dockers and he was like, yeah, look, I met with West Coast and Frio and, after meeting with JL and Belly, I was re- like hard- during the buy rounds. That's really when I knew I wanted to come home. So he'd made his mm. mind up fucking ages ago. But yeah, from a club standpoint, Brisbane bringing in Gunston for, I don't know, what was it? Pick 48 or 47, something like that. Yeah. That's a snag. Like he'll obviously just complement that forward line and replace McStay without too much fuss. Dunkley, you gave up pick 21 and a couple of futures. Josh Dunkley's in their midfield. Like, good luck defending Josh Dunkley and Lockie Neal at the centre bounces with Lions or, I don't know, McLuggage luggage maybe rolling in. Like, that's a elite get. And they also were able to shuffle a lot of their draft picks to get the points that they need to match for Will Ashcroft, who I think is just is going to be just as good as Nick Dacos in year one. So, huge winners, Brisbane, in my eyes. But I've also got the Tigers as yeah. big winners, you know, like they made a play early at Taranto and snagged that. And then they kind of stood pat and said that they were going to give up 31 and their future first for Hopper. And that's what happened. And they got a couple of late firsts, but if you bring Taranto and Hopper into that team, that's let's be honest, we thought might've been nearing the last bit of their premiership window this year. Even if they lose the likes of Rewalt and Cochin in the future, like Taranto gives them a bit more of a boost Another fantasy uh, bloke to keep an eye on if he keeps his forward status. But I think he could be another uh, huge elite add to their midfield. Hopper in a similar boat. And they really only gave up draft picks. They had five fucking picks in the top 30 last year. So, you know, they've had their bits and pieces. Um, You got any other winners on your list? Because I got one more big winner after the last few trades eventuated the Sarvo. I reckon Melbourne. They definitely grabbing Grundy, grabbing Lockie Hunter. The Grundy edition. Getting Shaki. Oh yeah. And Shaki's not nothing for them. Um it's sort of like a Sam Wiedemann replacement, I think. Really. Yeah, like fair. they're almost the same bloody player. Um, but he might be better, he might fit the system better. I think grabbing those three and sort of still holding on to some draft picks, that was pretty good effort by 
Brizzy. So I, I'd put Brizzy in there. Um, nah, who, who, who's your one? Can't think of well, it. Well, if you just before I dive into mine, pies. Yeah, it was the pies. But you look at look at Melbourne's outs to ins. So they lost Jackson. They lost. Uh, I forget his first name. Bedford. It's not Liam, is it? Toby. Toby. They lost Jaden Hunt. They lost Sam Wiedemann. And then pick 33, 43, 53, late, late ones in their future fourth. But they got in Grundy, who will compliment, yeah, compliment Max Gorn better than Luke Jackson did, I think. And obviously you've got two of the, the two best ruckmen for the last five years in the same team. Mm. Lockie Hunter, who has had his issues at the Dogs, but on the field has been an elite footballer. Premiership player yeah. as well, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Chucky, great. Pick 13 from Frio as part of this Jackson trade, plus Frio's future first and future second, and pick 37. Like, it's pretty fucking good. You lose four players, get in three good ones, and a couple of firsts, a second, and another pick in the 30s. I think the Ds could be viewed as big winners. But, yeah, it was the pies for mine after their move for Tommy Mitchell. When you say you get rid of Grundy and Henry, a couple of futures and then picks from 40 onwards. And you get in Tom Mitchell, Bobby Hill, Dan McStay, Billy Frampton, pick 25, pick 27. Like on paper, mm-hmm. that's a very solid trade period from Collingwood, if you if you ask me. Yeah, and I think um, we, we talk about it a lot through the year. You know, who's who are Collingwood's midfielders? Well, they've got a Brownlow medalist sliding in who's a veteran. Mm-hmm. Who's kicking the goals? Dan McStay's going to kick some goals. Bobby Hill's going to pop up and do his thing. I think it was a really good trade period for them. And, you know, they've still retained a pretty solid draft hand um, on the back of it. So, yeah, the Pies would be stoked. Um, and I expect them to do some fan dangling around at uh, mm. on the draft night and probably jump into the top couple, you know. They're the Pies. Well, they've they're got... Bloody... Yeah. They're loaded now with pick 16, 25, 27. So, you know, that's enough for you if someone slips to 12, 11, and you're like, yeah, no, we want to jump up. They can sacrifice one of those 20s picks yeah. at 16 to move up. So they've got yep. plenty of room to maneuver. Plus, they're coming off a ripper year. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of winners that we've kind of highlighted there, but I think there's a lot of clubs who definitely will come out of this trade period, some of them may be wrong when we look back on it two years from now, but I think there'll be a lot of clubs that feel like they came out with a better, uh, better list and a better construct after the trade period. Yep. I agree, mate. Righto. A couple of losers. Uh, do you know it's Sam Mitchell's 40th birthday today? Oh, um, yeah, no. <laughs> no, didn't think you would have. Uh, oh, you know, it pops up on my Facebook uh, birthdays. Yeah, it should have known. <laughs> Well, it does on mine. Shout out to Sammy Mitchell. But uh, as a result of their trade period, they lost Tom Mitchell. They lost Jago Amira. They lost Jack Gunston. Got in Carl Avon, which isn't nothing. And they got in some futures. But if you're telling me that Cooper Stevens, Lloyd Meek, and picks in the 40s is what you're going to get for Omira and Tom Mitchell, I feel like that's way under. Is it just me? Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I I think the Stevens edition and the Lloyd Meek editions actually actually work for them. Good for their future, it fits right? Their profile. Yeah. Um, but you're right. They got paid unders for those two unbelievably good football players. So yeah, yeah, well, we'll, ha- we'll have to see 
how that shapes out. It's going to be a long few years for the Hawks, I think. Speaking of unbelievable footballers, uh, your useless sports by Fry Saturday night. Tom Mitchell averaged 43 disposals in, I think it was five or six games against Collingwood at the G. So now that he is Ooh. playing for Collingwood and playing at the G regularly, uh, AFL fantasy coaches, just uh, make sure you add him to your black book when you're building your team mm. next year. But I'm very intrigued to see what Hawthorne's list is going to look like after losing these experienced characters. Shields retired, obviously. McAvoy's retired. You've still got the likes of, uh, what's his name? Luke Bruce. Uh, and there's a couple of experienced heads around the park. Chad Wingard, I guess he qualifies as an experienced head now. But gun to my head, I think that uh, Hawthorne are the odds-on favourite to win the spoon next year, just purely from a youth standpoint. I mean, the ins and outs, they probably got worse on the field. And I, I do agree with you. I think Cooper Stevens and Lloyd Meek and those futures fit their timeline. Warple's still extremely young, had a shit year last year, but got added to their leadership group a few years ago. And he could be, you know, a future captain, if not James yeah. Sicily or someone of that sort. But I do think that Hawthorne left the trade period, in my eyes, still as losers, even though they probably made the smart right moves for their future. They probably didn't get the bang for buck that they deserved. I, I like the Carl Amon addition. I think he'll mm. slot onto a wing and probably be very fantasy relevant next year. Um, but yeah, not, not enough going on there. Um, like a few other teams um, who I think will be in your losers list. If, if I'm honest. Oh, well, have, who have you got? sitting there reel through some more of yours because there's a couple of characters who i actually i was looking at north i was like oh how'd they go but i'm like if you tell me that you lose pick one and horn francis but you get in logue tucker two three and a future first that's all right like i i thought about putting them in the category but i feel like they've done yeah, okay. no i wouldn't say they lost um i would say they're still the odds on favorite to uh win the spoon though um big time yeah maybe i'm just um, going glass half full with uh, North Melbourne. But yeah, carry on. The team that I think will, we'll, I mean, we'll get on to Gold Coast. We've already touched on <laughs> Clearly losers. But I think yeah. the Saints yeah. um, really lost out. They lost out on potentially getting aim on. There was a couple of other blokes who moved, who just wanted to be in Melbourne, didn't choose the Saints, didn't get to the Saints. They just did nothing which is what they've done for the last, since, you know, Nick Rewalt, Lenny Hayes, Nick Del Santo, Lee Montagna, and the likes were running around for them. I think they needed to do something. I think the Saints fans needed them to do something, and they got in Zane Cordy. Good on you, Zane. Yeah, it's sick one. You know? And I'm pretty nah, sure... No, but he won a I flag saw... with the Bulldogs six yeah. years ago. I'm like, <laughs> all right, pretty what's he sure done for you lately? During... Right, exactly. During the week, the St Kilda boss was saying, you know, St Kilda's just uh, associated with mediocrity and that's not how who I want us to be and what I want us to do. And then they go and do nothing and just be so, like, be so mediocre that it's horrendously bad. So yeah. um, I thought the Saints were clear losers. Because it does, it feels like for the Saints, they're not a mile away. They looked likely this year. They've got the, geez, right there, mate. 
Yeah, I'm just allergic to shit off season. Sorry, St. Kilda. Yeah, you know, they've got good rucks. They've got a future Brownlee medalist. They've got a future Coleman medalist. They've got a solid mm-hmm. back end. They're just one or two pieces away, but they've just never added it. The, the, nah. the big signing was Brad Hill a few years ago, who, don't get me wrong, I love Brad Hill, love the Hill family, um, but he hasn't. He's not the Dustin Martin or the Josh Kelly or the nah. whoever. The Tom Mitchell was apparently... On the books, they could have got a Brody Grundy. That like, there's some big players that moved, and they did zero movement themselves. So yeah, Brad Saints Hill's the. the I think the, the Saints the are the cake. clear losers. I was going to say. I mean, for Ben Long to go out, for a future force to go out, and you're like, you got 32 and Cordy. I'm like, you may as well have not rocked up to the offseason. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, if you feel like West Coast did not a lot, boy, look over. <laughs> At the Saints, mate. The other, the Melbourne team who's on the coast. Don't worry about it, West Coast boys. And at least it feels like West Coast has a direction. Like if some people are butt hurt, I'm like, they're loading up on the draft and they, yeah. you know, they, they're doing stuff. Whereas, yeah, St. Kilda are just the definition of a middling franchise. And like we've said about NBA teams, which I'm sure we'll allude to soon, you don't want to be stuck in mediocrity, which is clearly where the St. Kilda Football Club find themselves. Brad Hill the bloke that we talked about, he was linked to a move to North Melbourne. So was Hunter Clark. There was a proposed deal where Hunter Clark said he wanted to play for North Melbourne and St. Kilda was going to give up pick nine. And as a result, they were going to net pick three back from North, which I'm like, move down six spots and also lose Hunter Clark. Probably an L, but, you know, at least you're doing something. But then St. Kilda didn't pull the trigger because they didn't want to give up pick nine or there was a future that was associated with the trade, but yeah, they just stood pat and did nothing. So I think they are in my eyes just for sitting still when they really needed to make some move. They haven't got Carl Amon this off season because he was linked there. Doesn't his that mum work at St. Kilda or something? Or wasn't that the rumor? Yeah. I think like, she's like the indigenous officer or the head of um, something like that. Like you said, Jack Steele, Potential Brownlow medalist. Max King, potential Coleman medalist. Defenders, pretty solid. They just mm. need those complementary pieces like a Carl Amon would have been perfect around that nucleus. And maybe, you know, not saying Cordy, but just making a little splash at a couple of different characters. They could have honestly probably used Jager O'Meara if he didn't want to come back to WA. Like they should have at least made the or phone Hopper call. Hopper or Toronto. Right? Or... Yeah. yeah. Bruin. And instead, they Come just on. sat on their hands. And as a result, yeah, it's hard to disagree after what you said. I don't know if there's another team, not named the Gold Coast Suns, that uh, as merge as the biggest losers of the trade period. All right, let's let's talk about this Jack Bowes fucking trade. Yeah, so what a mess. All right, you're you're the Gold Coast Suns, and I'm Geelong, and you come to me and you say, all right, we want to offload Jack Bowes. The early rumor going out there is that Pick Seven's also on the table to do it. If you're Gold Coast, why are you not asking for a future first? Because if I'm Geelong and I'm getting pick seven and Jack Bowes, I'm probably still giving up my future first because I'm probably finishing in the top four again after winning the flag. So that picks, let's call it 15 to 18. That's still a win. And instead of getting a future first, not only do they get, and they don't even get a future second, they get a future third rounder, which after the way Geelong's tracking, there's a pick in like the mid fifties. Yeah. yeah, look, it's a bloody mess. 
that I feel trade. like all of Australia is in the same boat. We're like, what the fuck are we looking at? What's going on here? It feels like they could have just been like, do you want Jack Bowes? Yeah. They've obviously got they've obviously got the cap space to take him. Do you want Bowesy? And that just have him. Like or you know, we're not here's another a... like draft pick we've got in our hand that's not in the top fucking ten. It just doesn't seem like you don't need to trade anything for like just <laughs> trade him for trade him for pick forty five if you want to offload him. Why give up pick seven? It's like it. We were talking. We it was came up earlier. It feels like some bloke in the fantasy league has two teams secretly <laughs> yeah. and is trading all the good players from one team to the other and loading it. Like the rich have got. So much richer because I think Bose is a pretty good player. He's all right yeah. anyway. Yep. And pick seven for a team that like desperately, desperately needs a jolt in the arm. Good, good players coming in. They got pick five, but but they lost Rankin. Like they, yeah, they lost a guy who was a number two draft pick who's sort of showing signs. I don't even understand. I mean, Rankin's a South Aussie, but. Oh, I don't know. It finally felt we, this was the year we're like, oh, Noz Anderson's coming on. Matty Rowell will get there. Tuke Miller's a p- potential Brownlow medalist. Ben King will come back next year. Oh, they might make it. And then they just pull this bullshit. Yep. They still might make it, but they got worse. It's a team that got worse in the future and currently. So I could not agree. More, but I'm not going to go through all their moves this off season. But they traded out four picks inside the top 36: Rankin, Corbett, and Bose. And in comes Tom Berry, Benny Long, pick five, and a future second tied to GWS. So effectively, <sighs> sweet fuck all for losing. And like, say what you will about Bose going out the door, but pick seven and Rankin, then 25, then a couple of other 30s. Just yeah, I'm still. Still baffled. Who'd they lose pick 25 for? I think it was in a pick swap with whoever owned pick 25. Probably Geelong. <laughs> nah, it might what? have been Brisbane earlier in the trade period. I'll have to have a bit of a dig and find out. Yeah, I'd almost talk myself into St Kilda having the worst one, but nah, Gold Coast by an absolute mile. Yeah, who are we Pagan's kidding? Paddock. Bloody who hell. are we kidding? So upon further clarification, uh, Gold Coast gave up pick 25 in the Tom Berry trade. So they gave up 25, 36, and a third rounder, which was 56 for Berry, Brisbane's third, and a future second tied to JWS. So like almost similar to fucking St. Kilda. They just didn't really make moves of note or didn't really do anything outside of this Bose debacle to improve their roster. Like, like you said, I thought, they were going to be the team on the up. Noz Anderson was hitting his straps. Matty Rao maybe took a step back, but took Miller nearly won the fucking Brownlow. Ben King missed the whole year, which hurt him, but they've now lost Rankin. <laughs> they've now lost Bose and a top 10 pick. So I, I don't know where Gold Coast go from here. I know uh, I've just been reading that they've got to match a whole lot of Academy bids. So maybe, I don't know. But I don't think they strengthen their draft. I don't know what they're doing. They're just, it's a sad, I'm I'm glad I'm not a Gold Coast fan. It's almost yeah. worse being a West Coast fan right now, but it, but it's not. So. Pull one out. Sometimes uh, you can't 
account for shit management. Uh, the other loser I had listed down was uh, the people who love stable AFL fantasy Ruckman. Because while Max Gorn and Brody Grundy joining forces is good for a football sense, those two have just been either your R1 or R1 and R2 for the last five years. So before we rotate into a bit of basketball talk, what are, you, what are your early thoughts on fantasy Ruckman? Like, I know Roe Marsh is in the striking range, but now that the dust has settled from the trade period, let's be honest, we're not picking anyone that gets fucking drafted. So what do you think the lay of the land is for fantasy Ruckman heading into 2023? It's Braden Proust time, baby. Let's oh, you're go. You're going all there. Oh, you're braver nah. man than me. Nah, no. Nah, it'd probably be Tim English and Roe Marsh, I think, the clear two now. Um, probably, well, you know, I'll put a bit of a wait and see on those, the two Melbourne boys. You never know. It could work. It might know. actually, it might unlock Gorn to play less forward time and more behind the ball, which could actually work well for him and getting more mm-hmm. marks and sort of maybe a few more ruck contests as well. Um, could maybe say the thing, same thing for Grundy, but, um, yeah, I'll probably be starting with Roe Marsh and then, See what happens. To be to be honest, I don't know. It's a it's a mess. It's a bloody mess. I mate. am uh, this time last year. Hawthorne made a trade for a ruck that I was like, that could be a good R two play in Max mm. Lynch, the former Collingwood bloke. Did not eventuate at all. Not at but all. if Lloyd Meek, now that Ben McAvoy's out of the picture, because he didn't. Oh, actually, let me double check me. Stats, but I don't think Lloyd Meek played. Lloyd Meek played fuck all for Frio this year, so as a result, if he is cheap as chips, he was priced at four fifty this season. Played six games, averaged sixty odd. There's every chance that he bumps that up to, you know, a fifteen point improvement if Hawthorne yeah. are like here are the keys to the city. Uh, yeah, Ned Reeves played a lot of ruck for them as well, so I don't know if he is going to get that number one role, but I agree. With the Roe Marsh call, I think he'll be the popular first ruck picked. Timmy English, his concussion issues and the inconsistently burnt me in the back half of the year. So I've got a bit of, uh, I don't know what the expression is, but I don't, yeah, I don't love the idea of starting with Tim. He'll probably be yep. an upgrade target, but yeah, it'd be very interesting to see how the uh, preseason plays out because that'll dictate a lot for fantasy coaches. Yeah, big time, mate. Speaking all of the preseason, train. yeah, fucking oath, all aboard. M two for me. I'll be he might be my first player picked in that spot. Ooh. Um, speaking of the preseason, have you watched uh, much basketball since we last hung out? Watch the Nuggets. What's uh? Yeah, what's back? I was going to say no, Jokic, because I tuned in to watch the other day and just <laughs> tuned in just in time for the announcer to be like. Starting at centre, DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love DeAndre Ayton <laughs> to play for the Nuggets. DeAndre Jordan, mate. Yeah, Who's actually much. played all right. But, um, yeah, Jamal Murray went out. Bones Highland went out last game with an mm-hmm. ankle. So, um, should be all good for the start of the season. But it's been a pretty boring you know, pre-season for the Nuggies. Um, and the other thing, we just haven't got to see the the starting lineup that we wanted to see and yeah. let them get the reps in. So it hasn't been a great 
preseason for the Nugs. But we'll come good. We'll come good. Bruce Brown's played well. Ish Smith's played well. MPJ's still hits everything he shoots. So, um, oh, and you know, the one positive maybe for the Nuggets is that MPJ might sort of be like, oh yeah, like I need um, Yoke and Murray to open my game up. So maybe I need to play the roles. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not been great for the uh, the Nuggies. And that honestly is about all I've watched Um sort of check the box score on and off. Been actually quite a uh an unimpressive preseason. Usually you're sort of like, oh, this guy's played or this Zion's had minute restrictions. Yeah, I don't know. It was good to check out Donnie Mitchell against uh Philly, but you know, meh. Yeah. Been boring. Very meh. I have a very similar take. I mean I tuned in to watch the Cavs Sixers game yesterday. Whenever they played, yeah, yesterday and loaded up the replay. I was all right. Here we go. Saw the starting lineups. Saw that Dean Wade was starting for the Cavs and Joel Embiid wasn't in the Sixers. And I got about five minutes in, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to learn anything from this contest. No. Darius and Donovan, very similar to the first time they played them. Only played the first half, and I think maybe I'm, you know, tainted by my Cleveland Cavalier love. But I think that Darius Garland. Maybe not this year, but if we look back two-ish years from now, we'll be the best player on our team. I think he has just that innate playmaking. Is, isn't he? Well, maybe, but... And some oh, people yeah. might say it about Evan Mobley. Some people might say Donnie Mitchell is just because of what he's done in the past. But, yeah, I fucking love that bloke. I'm glad that even though we drafted Sexton, they didn't get scared off from drafting another guard. Because at the time, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll be going for... Portland 2.0, like we're trying to copy what Dame and CJ have, yeah. but obviously Darius is a very different player and product, and yeah, I'm very glad he's a, a Cavalier. I'm very intrigued to see what Jared Allen produces this year, because last year, you uh, last game against Philly, you were talking on the previous pod about how he, not struggled, but just had some very easy reads where he just kind of had mental lapses and Joel cooked him or like drop like, the ball, literally. Yeah, just like open dunk, fumbles the ball yeah. kind of thing. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, like I, I listened to the one of the um, Ringer podcasts with a bloke named Kevin O'Connor and um, I forget his name. Chris I Vernon. love Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O'Connor yeah. knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And I, I rate Verno as well. But that, anyway, Kevin O'Connor was talking about how he was annoyed with the lack of effort that Ben Simmons was showing in the preseason. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, fair. Accuse the bloke of not working hard, but it is the fucking preseason. Some of these blokes are going to play two to three games and they just try to get their legs under them, especially someone who might have been coming off a long injury layoff. But uh, as I sent out to you earlier, a big, big piece uh, on the Sportsbee Network about the swing players or players who I think could define success for each NBA franchise. And Ben Simmons was the one that I highlighted for Brooklyn. What do you reckon there, before we dive into like looking a little bit at those pieces, what do you reckon Brooklyn's ceiling is now? Like they clearly have a lane they've got. We may have honestly done this fucking every second podcast for the last month, but they've got Benny Simmons. They've got Kyrie Irving. They've got Kevin Durant. They've got complimentary pieces around them. They've got shooters. They're probably one or two big short, but who isn't right? Do you think that, 
they're like a, a genuine threat in the East or similar to years past. So they're just kind of making up the lump numbers until something self combusts. Well, they're a shot as long as Kevin Durant's on the court, mm. really. Um, they've got some issues. That's for bloody sure. They've got some defensive issues. Hopefully Ben Simmons can solve those. Um, but look, I, I think they're a shot as long as Kevin Durant is who we think Kevin Durant is. Um, you can win any game if he's on the court. So I wouldn't pick them to win the East. I wouldn't pick them to make the finals, but it could all come together. It could work. Ben Simmons could work with Kyrie and KD. He is a low sort of volume kind of guy. Doesn't help their spacing, but they've got some shooters around that will help make up for that. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I don't have a, I don't have an answer like many NBA pundits pundits would uh, agree um, with me. So I don't know, man. To be yeah. Honest. I, I don't have a strong conviction either way. I mean, getting Joe Harris back from injury helps. They've yep. obviously got a dude like Nick Claxton starting at center and behind him, a guy named Dayron Sharp, who I, I know he played last year, but I couldn't tell you anything he's done previously or what he did last year. So couldn't tell you what he looks like that too. So, I mean, you're right. If they've got KD, he is him. Like he's one of the top dudes in the league and arguably the best scorer still in basketball, 14 years into his career though, going into year 15 and he's had plenty of injury issues in the past. So I do wonder like what Kevin Durant will see because against Boston. That's right. I was just spitballing there trying to think of who they played in the playoffs. He didn't look himself. Like he was being I pressured into shitty. Yeah, it might have been a bit of that. And maybe it's just me overlooking at a four to fucking four game. They got swept, eh? Yeah, four game sample Pretty size. Sure. But I don't know, maybe and I don't believe this take, but maybe we're looking at KD just kind of going maybe. off the edge of a not a cliff. Maybe he's just going down a small little ravine. Yeah, down into the valley. Down into the yeah. valley of death. Into that sweet, sweet night. Speaking of the valley of death, uh, one team that I want to talk about, we might talk about a bit later as well, is this the last chance that the Phoenix Suns have of winning a chip with their current roster construct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel, like they, I feel like they may have already, honestly shot their shot. But as I was writing the article and I was looking at a player who would define their success, I was like, shit, like they've got X, 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 X contracted for the next four years. How do they get better? Especially if Chris Paul gets older and gets shittier. Like I know that DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges book may get a bit better, but yeah, I don't know if I'm a son's dance, if I'm extremely enthused about our future, that's for sure. No, they had their tiny, Time in the excuse the pun. Yep. Um, they got too excited. They thought they were bigger than they are. All those Sun fans. I remember what they did to Denver. I remember how mm. they treated Denver. I remember that bloke punching the Denver fan in the stands. This is what you get. This is what you get. You've got the most unlikable on court player, arguably in the history of the game, in Chris Paul. He's just right so annoying. Devin Booker's not far behind. DeAndre Ayton is hyper-likable, but hasn't spoken to his coach in over a year. 
or since the end of the season. Yeah, that's not great. Or like a hundred days. I don't know what the stat was. Hundred days or something, but long enough. Oh, like literally, they haven't spoken, and it doesn't look like DeAndre wants to speak a word to the man. They're in trouble, um, and it's it's not going to be their year. They played Chris Paul twenty eight minutes last game against Denver. He played the most minutes on the court in the preseason right. game. Game three, or oh, it might have been game four for them, but game three of the preseason, like they're, they're stuffed. Monty Williams is he's losing his edge. I thought James Jones, Jonesy, Jones, yeah, the GM, Jonesy. Thought he knew what he was doing, but he doesn't. <laughs> Clearly, there's a, it's just dysfunction, and that's what happens with Chris Paul throughout his career. Everywhere he's gone has become dysfunctional. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but they're stuffed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I agree that this, I thought they had a two-year window and last year was the end of year two. So I don't expect them to make a shitload of waves or to win the chip or to push for a finals berth or even probably, probably a conference finals berth. I mean, they may prove me wrong, especially if Chris Ball's healthy at the pointy end of the season. He was the bloke that I identified as the guy in Phoenix who will define their success. You kind of forget in the closeout game against the Pels, he went 14 of 14, made his only three, went six of six from the line, had 33 points. I don't know if those maths adds up. I could be wrong, but he was like quintessential in their success early in the playoffs. And then like he does every year, just kind of crumbled and fell by the wayside. So I think that I agree with you. Phoenix missed their tiny moment in the sun and their little window. Maybe they'll prove us wrong and they'll go on a bit of a surge in the postseason, but I don't expect them to be the number one seed. What they win last year, 64 games. It was a Something lot. like that. Yeah. yeah. I think Monty Williams himself has said, you know what, probably going for the franchise record and gunning for that many wins cost them in the playoffs. So, you know, they're a bit wiser in that sense, but I still think that they missed the window. Big time. Yeah. I'm right on board with that. And All I'm right. Great. Have... I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If there's anyone who would be fucking celebrating Phoenix Suns uh, ineptitude. It would be you. I hate him. Uh, did you cast your eyes over aforementioned article about. I'm on it right now, mate. I'm the one player right from every NBA team that will define success in 2022 23? Oh, I'm, I'm scrolling. All right. Got some. I disagree with some. Okay. So we're gonna I, we're gonna roll through. Yeah, I reckon. And just quick, a quick one. I kind of want to go through quick because I want to get to the Mount Rushmore. But yeah, I didn't want to just be like, right, Kevin Durant is the the person that will define Brooklyn's success, yeah. or LeBron yeah. is important to the Lakers. I tried to go a little bit off kilter, and there's a couple that I was like, this is a reach, but I'm doubling down on it now. But bucks, hey, yeah. give, give me your uh, your opinion. Give me, like, what stands out from you as you swing through? Uh, Atlanta, good. Boston, pretty good. Brooklyn, good. Charlotte, hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to read the name? No, no. And you know what? For the people that are listening to good, good, hmm, I'll throw the link to the uh, article in the episode. But, yeah, like I said, I tried to go a little bit off script with some of them. Uh, I, I wanted to go with swing players. I defined it. Go on, you change the the Bulls player. 
Um, the Mavs, I probably wouldn't. There's no one to change it to, but who would know, who would you the... change the Bulls player to? Lonzo, Lonzo. Oh, if I... he can get on the court at the end of the year, that yeah. changes a lot for them. For a reference, I said Demar because of his MVP caliber or contextual season that he had a year ago. But I think yep. the writing's already on the wall that Lonzo's going to miss the year. So I was like, oh, at least a big chunk of time. So I left him off the, yeah. the script. But, yep, keep rolling. Detroit's one. Uh, that's a bit of just like a, uh, I don't know. I, well, would I probably... nearly did uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, who they traded for. But I thought there were moments last year before Isaiah Stewart became famous for trying to fight LeBron. But I was like, man, this dude looks like, Good player. He looked like, uh, this is going to be a weird uh, reference, but he looked like Nate Jawai at the peak of his powers in the NBL. <laughs> like, okay. like just a big beefy dude that just no one could really, like, I don't want to say Shaq because no one's like Shaq, but yeah, he was just couldn't be physically stopped when he was trying to do his things, but fouled like a motherfucker. So if he can get his fouls down, I reckon he could be a huge factor otherwise fuck him off and start Jalen Duran the bloke that they drafted I reckon yeah I, I think with teams like the Rockets Detroit um you could argue oh um the Kings, Houston yeah I, I think the the rookies or the second year players taking a leap I think for them it's Cade or Jaden um but I see what you're saying with that one um not bad they're not winning so if oh. Isaiah, if Isaiah Stewart was playing well in three years time, you might be like, Oh, okay, well, hang on. This, this is important, but I don't, he's not important enough right now. Yeah. Um, I changed the Warriors fair. one as well. Actually. Um, I do like Kaminga big year for him. He's important, but I think James Wiseman is, is the one James Wiseman yeah. can get healthy and work within their team. That's massive. You know, they need someone. Draymond Green did a good job against Yoke. They need someone to be able to, just at least quell or, you know, provide Ford a presence. Looney on. was pretty good in the playoffs. We didn't play on Jokic, though. So, Draymond Green yeah, guarded Jokic. I don't think Wiseman oh, good either. That's what I'm talking about. So he probably will. Like, he's he's got the physical tools to guard the Giannis's, uh, depending on where Giannis plays. But the, those big, the tools, bodies, yeah, yeah, I get you. They have to run tools. through to get back to the title. I would pick Wiseman over Kaminga. Don't mind it though. Um, Houston, well done. Indiana. <laughs> is is that, have you chosen Miles Turner because he might get traded? Yep. Okay. Well then that's fair. Yep. Yep. Kawhi, obvious. LA. Yep. Well done. Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, that's a good one too. Jaron Jackson. I also, also would have been tempted to say Bain. Um, because he needs to recreate what he did last year for them to sort of get back to where they got to. You know what you're getting from Jar. Yeah. Jaron Jackson, you know, he he's one of the better defenders in the league if he's if he's on. He was on and off. Um so I do see you know, why he could definitely swing. Yeah. Do you know how many games he played last year? I mean, you may have read the little snippet, but oh, I would say about half. Yeah. See, I said exactly the same. The dude only missed four games last year. Yeah, but he went missing in 34. So, well, but you know, yep, okay. I, I agree. If, yeah, if he plays well, 
they'll go well. But I think Desmond Bain as well would jump out. The Milwaukee Bucks one is funny. Yeah, okay. Me. Go on. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't you reel this one off for us, mate? So the reason that I picked, I picked Brook Lopez as the swing factor because let's be honest, you know we're getting from Drew, you know we're getting from Giannis, and if he's healthy, you know we're getting from Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen, probably not going to dramatically improve a shitload, but when Brook Lopez was at the peak of his powers as like a stretch five, that's when the Bucks were winning a fucking chip. So they had Bobby Portis play that role for a lot of last year because Lopez was hurt. I think he only played a dozen or so games. Mm. And in, even in the playoffs, he wasn't the same, but he he looked almost at like 80% of his uh, powers. I know I'm using that reference a lot, but I think Brook Lopez, if he can just be the floor spacer as a big, like he's never yep. rebounded a shitload, so he doesn't need to be near the rim. Like Giannis is going to average 13 fucking boards. Chris Middleton probably averages six or seven himself. So I think if they just get Lopez, who has dipped a bit from a three-point shooting context as a buck, but like in his time as a Laker and a net, he was like, you know, near 40% three-point shooter, which is elite for a big man. So mm-hmm. if they could just kind great. of play him a bit like, a bit more like what Maxi Kleber plays, I guess, if he could play that role and has been able to defend the rim, especially when Giannis is off the floor, I feel like that would go a long way because they're not getting outside sources to come in and improve that team. Like they have their team. They're just like, yeah, no, we back ourselves. We're gearing up to go again. So that's kind of why I led towards Lopez. And to be honest, no one else on the roster like stood out as a glaring swing factor other than Giannis. Yeah, it's a it's a funny pick, but it, you you're probably right. Really, um, the rest of them look alright. I think I would like we were saying about uh, Detroit. I would change Orlando's to Paolo because the mm. how well they do not how well they do how um, how good their season is based on how well he kind of goes. Does he look yep. like he was worth the number one draft pick? And can he play good enough to go all right, but also bad enough that they can get Victor? Yep. So I'll be honest. Uh, I bit think of context, the rest on the money. Peek behind the lens. Uh, I'd already picked Jabari Smith Jr., who was the third pick. I thought about picking Jade and Ivy, but then pivoted. And then I already had picked Keegan Murray as the Kings bloke. So I'm like, I can't have the first, third, and fourth bloke. So, and I think to be honest, like Cole Anthony last year, from a stats perspective, like lit it up. But if you like watched him play basketball, you're like, is this bloke like kind of Russell Westbrook? light is this like really contributing mm-hmm. to winning and i think yeah. if he was able yeah, to be deployed as like an occasional starter or a spark plug off the bench as i said rather than he was their leading scorer last year i don't think he'll do that again i think franz or paolo will claim that title but if he's playing like he thinks they're le- he's their leading scorer that might be detrimental to the team and you got no markel faults let's be honest that bloke can't stay healthy jalen suggs has a Left knee capsule sprain and a bone bruise. So he's not coming back anytime soon. So it'll yeah. just be keys back in Cole Anthony's hands. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I said James Harden for the Sixers. A couple of other characters I've already mentioned. Jeremy Grant. I'd be intrigued to see what he does with the Trailblazers. Like he's gone from being a role player with OKC and Denver and then just very quickly thrown the keys to the franchise and every shot he wants in Detroit. And Chris Stapps for the Wizards, his points per game looked good, but he didn't actually play with Bradley Beal. So I'm like, if he and Beal can form some chemistry and look good 
with Kuzma and Will Barton and some other pieces complementing it. We may, like I last week predicted the Wizards over. They may be, you know, capable of producing a winning season. Yeah. No, I uh, I like the I like most of them from there on out. Um, but there's a whole lot of teams I'm scrolling past, like Jeremy Grant. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. Oh, there's some really average NBA stories in this season. That's what I'll tell you, Alex. I think as we roll into this year, we may see the biggest divide between the top half and the bottom half of the league. Uh, speaking of stories, I think it's time to dive into the the Rushmore, the Mount. Uh, I stand by it after watching the Redeem team and talking about the gold medal performance, which was my last pick in the Kobe draft. That's easily my favorite Mount Rushmore rather, but I'll be, this might be the most excited one I've been going into because I have no idea where either of us are going. Yeah. Yep. This could go anywhere. We are drafting the biggest NBA storylines heading in to 2022-23 season. Uh, For context, last week, the the right guy won. Let's just say that. Uh, Yep. You took out 75% of the votes, taking the head-to-head ledger back to 11-8. So well done, my friend. Uh, Thank you, guys. Which, I'll be honest, yeah, deserving winner. I think I said that as I made my last fucking pick. But anyway. uh, (laughs) Yeah, this one one was tricky because obviously going into it, I knew I had the number one pick. So I, I didn't really know which direction to go in. But I think, as I've said, there's going to be the biggest divide from top to bottom in the NBA. The middle is going to be as clear as day. There's going to be teams that are going one direction, gunning towards a championship and are really gearing up for a run at it. And clearly we know what the teams that are going that way are aiming for. And as a result, I think the number one storyline in next season will be the tanking for Victor Webanyama. I don't think there will be three days in the basketball world where this topic doesn't get mentioned. Like this bloke, I know it's a lot of hyperbole me saying he's the greatest talent since LeBron, but I stand by it. I think he is just like Kevin Durant with six extra inches. Like I think this dude is a genuine generational changing character. And as we continue to see his highlights playing for France, I think that the tanking for, Victor Wemby. I've seen Luzerama for Wembenyama. I've seen yep. uh, all sorts of other funny play on words, but I think the tanking calls and the, you know, we might not be even looking at the top six teams in the NBA. They might be looking at the bottom six and just watching that closer towards the end of the year. So that's where I'm going with pick number one. I think that'll be the biggest talking point. Oh, yep. Uh, yeah, there's no real clear number one. And no, it's also subjective. Um, so. Not bad that was on my list. Uh, would have been in my top eight for sure. Um, I'm going to go up to the other end of the NBA. I'm going to yeah. go to the winner's side or the awesome. potential winner's side. Good pivot. And you've highlighted this man in your article. Go check it out. It's a good read, guys. Uh, I'm going to go with, can Kawhi play enough games to boost the clips to a championship? And it, to be honest, you could almost put Kawhi and Paul George in this yep. in this category. Can those two superstars play enough? But will Kawhi come back 
healthy enough and impactful enough and be the same Kawhi to boost the clips up to the top of the standings like everyone's saying they will be. Will this be the Clippers year over the Lakers? Yada, yada, yada. So it's a tricky one. Who knows? But I'll take Kawhi. Can he play enough? How's he come back? What's he look like? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that have... Some call it deserving. I don't. Questions over, like, if he can be the same dude that we saw play for Toronto. And, I mean, yeah. you know, like, who am I to tell you that that's going to be the case? He's going to be fit and firing. Uh, also on my list, good pick. It was high up on my list as well. But there's yeah. a couple I had higher, including the next one that I'll take. Similar, somewhat stratosphere. But I am just fascinated to see how Ben Simmons fits with the Brooklyn Nets. And like there's been already, you might've seen the video in the last 24 hours of him. He genuinely just looks like he's fucking around at a shooting on like a hoop in a park and he airballs a shot. But there's also some people that are like, is he trying to pass that? I don't think so. But like he's or his jump shots already a talking point. His effort in the preseason, as we've talked about, is already a talking point. So if we get to the middle of January, middle of December, and he's had enough, maybe he's just like, nah, mental health on my back sore again, or I'm not playing. Like that could that happen again? Or will he really buy in and we're like, oh fuck, the Brooklyn Nets are 37 and eight. And why obviously they have three all-star players, why didn't we consider them as the best team in the East? So, yeah, I'm going with yep. Ben Simmons's, And, like, it's not necessarily even revolving around Kyrie or KD, but Ben Simmons's fit in Brooklyn. Not bad one. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go for another dysfunctional team. Not tra- not traditionally dysfunctional. And, in fact, you would almost say the, uh, the benchmark for what you think a functional championship team should look like. But uh, coached by a man who's not, uh, what's the word? He understand. He's been in dysfunctional championship sides. He's then gone on to run about as good of a side as has existed in history. But now, boy, it's getting dark in those warrior oh. warrior locker rooms. What the hell? What the hell's going on? How's that going to play out? Can Jordan Poole and Draymond Green put this behind them? Is this going to hang over their season? Is one of them going to get traded? So I'm going to go the sort of dysfunction in the in the Warriors, well, in the Warriors roster between some superstar players. Yep, I like it. Uh, I will label it Warriors dysfunction. Uh, was yep. literally next on my board. So well done. Well done. Uh, okay, I've got three in my sights, and I feel like I can get two of them moving forward. Okay. Well, you literally, of course you will. Well, you you might. Oh, yeah. Touche. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I will. Okay. So oh, which one do you I You get this pick take? and then I get one and then you okay. get one. That's I'm taking, uh, yep, yeah, touche. I'm taking, uh, it will be a, a storyline and a talking point for a very small period of time. But when we hit the end of the season, it will be, where are we? Pick five. It'll be a top five talking point bar none. LeBron's quest to be the all-time league's leading scorer because Ooh, it's a good one. at this point he's going to hit it late February, around the same time that we are conveniently in America. 
so I think, you know, it's not making a lot of headlines or talking points now, but by the time we get closer to all-star break, everyone will be talking about when LeBron breaks the record. Okay. Yep. That's a good one. I, I do like that. Um, I, this one's dropped off my, off my radar a little, actually, you know what, because of that, I'm going to wait and hope it's around in the next one. Um, all right. Well, I think this one, actually, this is big. This is big for the Western conference and it's, well, what's the deal with Zion? Yeah, that was we, quite a bond. Uh, yep. That was are we fun. getting the Zion that we saw before his foot stuff? Because if we are, they could be a, they could win the West. They could win the whole thing. Let's be honest. They've got a really interesting mix. They've got tw- three 20 point per game scorers. Plus they're all, they could all average 20. They couldn't all, but they're all 25 point per game scoring kind of guys. They've got good defense. Willie Green turned it around. They've got a deep roster. I like their other bigs, but if Zion Williamson can be the 26 and eight guy that he was when he made the mm. all-star team, Boy, New Orleans is going to be interesting, which is interesting because we're going to New Orleans this next year. So uh, let's get all aboard the Zion train at Mardi Gras and get some beads and have a have a Smurf and have a hurricane and have a good time. Enjoy watching Zion, hopefully at the peak of his powers. Yeah, look, I said that there was two of the three that I wanted to get. I'll be honest, it was two. And that one was the second one because I'm looking now at the other couple and I'm like, oh, I feel like there's a little bit of a dip. Uh, I'm going with my final pick just for a little bit of low-hanging fruit. I've already made a Lakers pick, but I'm also very intrigued to see what the fuck happens with Russell Westbrook. Maybe... He plays out the year with the Lakers and everyone's like, yeah, you know what? That kind of worked. Maybe he gets traded and bought out and he's out of the league. Maybe he gets traded and becomes a fucking star playing for the tanking paces. But I'm very intrigued to see how Russell Westbrook in particular's year plays out because that'll have ripple effects through the rest of the Lakers who are clearly one of the most popular teams in the entire NBA. Yeah. Great to see the Lakers down for a while. Um, (laughs) Good pick. Yeah, welcome change. Yeah, I had, um, what's the Lakers deal? That was what I had written down. Um, yeah. So good one. Oh, okay. This is tricky. I've just sort of seen what the story. Okay, so I'll talk it through. Uh, I wanted to pick, will the Celtics have a coach? <laughs> um, but I've seen that Joker's out for the year, um, which is going to be huge for the Celtics. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to pick that one now that they've, announced a replacement kind of tempted to go will when will monty talk to deandre that's a pretty good one i reckon but i think another one big implications on the west big implications for the nuggets i I think it's all about the go bear fit in in minnesota like if if that works really well which i actually think it might the more i've thought it through i think it will that's going to be dangerous for the West. Um, so, uh, yeah, I want to do the Celtics, but I'm going to go go bear. And can the Timber work? Can the Timberwolves work? Because if they can, that's scary. Yeah, so, I had. Go on. Oh, I was going to say, 
I was just going to roll onto some honourable mentions, but say what you were going to say, mate. I had Ant Edwards as the swing player, but I literally prefaced the little five to six lines of, let's be honest, the big factor is how Gobert fits alongside Cat. And you're right. I can't, yeah. The more I look at it, the more I'm like, oh, I mean, it could work. Even if they do a bit of Brody Grundy, Max Gorn, and just deploy one of them at a time, and occasionally two of them are in the similar spot, I think it'll fucking work. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. What, what other this honorable whole exercises has taught me is that there's a lot of very interesting storylines. Uh, mm. One that jumps out with for me, and then it leads on to another is can a, a US player win MVP ever again? I don't know. Um, because let's be honest, Luca's the odds on favorite. And that sort of goes on to like, what the hell is James Harden going to do in Philly? Yeah. You know, is he going to be this selfish? greedy player or is he going to step aside and let Joel and let Maxi and the other players around him sort of play well? Um, what other ones have you got? I had both those ones you mentioned, but I also had, is this Greg Popovich's last hurrah? Because it's a good one. I thought he was going to retire like two or three years ago, but still the bloke think, is kicking. I think he's just going to keep playing, keep coaching, mate. I mean, checks out. The other one I had was, Denver's healthy quest to win it all. Yeah. Like if obviously the they get all the boys together, can they make a run at it? Um, I had the Clippers. I had Zion. I had the Go Bear fit. So yeah, I feel like we covered most of them, but you're right. We could go in fucking 40 different directions. There's a lot of storylines in this league. That's a hard, that's a hard list to, to split that one. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know. I don't know how you vote for a winner here, but no. hey, I guess we'll put it to the sports be faithful and we'll figure it out. Give it a give it a whirl, guys. Good luck. All right. Pass in a couple of seconds. Which pick do you want in the draft? Because pick one, two, three, five, six, seven are gone. And it's up to you to choose. Uh oh, geez. Um uh, text me. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> I actually right. missed that. Sorry. All right. I won't put you on the spot uh and get you on the air. Thanks for sitting down, JLO. Another ping and pod. Great work, Cheers, boys. I will uh chat to you in the near future. 